0: My name is Jeff Jackson. Uh, I've been here a few times, so some of you I recognize. uh, Some of you, I'm uh, grateful to be back again, and uh, it's been uh, a few times that we've been able to uh, be here. My wife's able to join me this weekend, Terry. Um, So I understand uh, this is going to be put on a podcast, and I forgot the name of it, but I'm supposed to say I'm not Jason. Uh, but let me give you just a little bit of a background. I, I work with Pioneer Bible Translators. Um, we uh, are currently a team, I'm looking, just to give you a feel about who we are as an organization. Right now, we have, and, and these these statistics are really from last fall when our last uh, board meeting came out. We, we're currently a, an organization that has about 625 adults uh, in the organization, um, we're translating the Bible for uh, people that speak languages. About 188 million people speak the languages that we're working in, 115 languages. Those languages are in 29 different countries. So far, we've completed uh, 24 New Testaments and another five full Bible translations. And, and I, I just wanted to give you that because you guys are helping with that with your resources, uh, your Uh, pioneer bible translators is one of the missions that this church supports financially and so i just want to say thank you uh, because uh, what you're doing is impacting people around the world Um, if you were here uh, during uh, the sunday school hour we showed a video uh, you guys have a copy of that maybe you can see it again later if you haven't of a people group in papua new guinea that last august got the full bible finally in their own language and they had a big celebration. They had a dedication time. And um, that, those are the kind of things that happen when people get the Bible in their language. Pioneer Bible Translators as an organization, we, we exist to disciple Bibleists, those people without a Bible, trying to mobilize all of God's people, and that includes you, to provide enduring access to God's Word. And those, those words matter to us. Uh, it's people that don't have a Bible, and we're trying to mobilize God's people, all of the church, to help provide enduring access. And, and sometimes we say, we, our, our end goal is not just a Bible translation. We want people to be using the Bible. And so we're doing a church planting, we're doing evangelism, we're doing discipleship. Um, so our, our desired outcome is to see a network of churches in that language group using translated scripture to grow, mature, and multiply. That's what we're aiming for, not just a Bible translation. So often I say, you know, actually we, we do church planting through Bible translation. We do evangelism through Bible translation. We do discipleship through Bible translation. So this morning... I thought we'd do something a little different. And, and i I got to admit, I'm a little nervous about this because I've not done this before, okay? And so you guys are like guinea pigs this morning, and if you don't do a little squealing like a guinea pig, then we're going to have some, uh, a lot of dead silence up here, and I'm just going to stand here, and we're going to stare at each other. And that will become uncomfortable, for me at least. Um, but maybe for you, you have to look at me the whole time. Um, one of the things that we employ, one of the tools, and it's not—it's not unique to our organization, uh, but we we call it um, discovery Bible study. And um, uh, we're going to hang out on this slide for a little while, okay? But um, I mean, I'm going to explain about it before we look at these particular questions. Discovery Bible study is a method that's used. Uh, Primarily in the mission world, with uh, people groups where there's really not a church yet, and so uh, we we use it when we get passages of scripture translated, so like maybe we've got a story of of um, of Jesus and his disciples, and so we'll get that that story translated into that language, and then we'll take these out into uh, the village or into a gathering of people that speak that language. We'll read the passage and then we'll begin to ask questions. And so it's called Discovery Bible Study because it's it's aimed at asking questions so that people can begin to um, explore God's Word in a way that impacts them. Um, Greg Pruitt, who's president of Pioneer Bible Translators, he and his wife... Uh, finished the translation in West Africa several years ago, and he still goes back fairly regular because now there 's a, a, a group of churches that have been planted they 're starting to grow they 're starting to mature to multiply. but he said just a couple years ago they were doing a discovery Bible study, and uh, they they did a passage where Jesus talked about baptism and um, As they're asking the questions, you know, and we'll get to some of these other questions later, but one of the questions is, hey, what are you going to do as a result of having read this passage today? And he asked that question, and two guys said, hey, I think I need to go get baptized. Because they had just read a Bible passage about it. And, And Greg said, you know, I've preached dozens of sermons with these people <laughs> and talked about baptism with these people, you know these meaning the guys in this Bible study, but the day that they started examining scripture for themselves is the day that they decided to become obedient, and he's like, <laughs> so we're going to give this a try, okay so there's typically three phases to a discovery Bible study, okay, and usually Uh, Often, honestly, one of the reasons I was a little unsure about this is because with a large group sometimes, uh, you know, people tend to think like, oh, I'm not going to answer. Somebody else is going to answer. If it's a small group, it's a little easier to make sure everybody's participating. So I'm I'm not going to be able to force everybody to participate, but I'm hoping that some of you will. So typically, once you get into this, uh, we're just starting today, okay? Okay. So a lot of times these introductory questions that are on the screen now, you wouldn't really get to until maybe a week or two in, but I thought it might be good to start with them because this might help us a little bit, okay? So first question, what are you thankful for this week? Food, me too. Forgiveness, okay? Family, wait, say that again. The privilege to be here today. Was that before you figured out I was speaking? <laughs> okay, you're still you're still thankful to be here today. Okay, good. What else are you thankful for? To be alive. To be alive. Yeah. Jesus died, Jesus died for our sins. Anything specific from this past week? The, Card- the Cardinals back at your bird feeder this week. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're mindful that spring is coming again and, and all things are new. Yeah? Good. Well, anything else specific for you this past week that you're thankful for? Fresh asparagus. Fresh asparagus. Back to the food again. <laughs> I, I like asparagus, but my wife won't eat it, so I'll, I'll have hers. Okay. Anything? I, th- I thought I heard somebody over here maybe. That I have family that cares about me. Any, any others that you want to say, hey, I'm really thankful about this from this past week? I got to spend time with my grandchildren. And I, I've been traveling for about three weeks before that, so I was very thankful to be able to see my grandchildren this week. All right, number two. What? what in, in, again, talking about this past week. What, any, anything in this past week that really kind of you know just stressed you out? Your sister caused you stress <laughs> Hey, you know, I told you I was traveling for three weeks I, I I got to go see my parents, which sometimes gives me stress, but I stayed with my brother and I saw my sister, so yeah, I understand sometimes family does cause stress, right?. <laughs> That's right, that's good. That, I'm also thankful for my family, but sometimes it causes me stress, right? Did I see a hand in the back somewhere? I, I'm looking for a hand in the back. I haven't seen one yet. Anything else somebody would like to share that, hey, you know, I really had a little bit of stress and anxiety? Yeah. So the second part of that then is to ask the question, okay, is there something that needs to happen Maybe this next week for things to be a little better one, one way to get more prayer is to share the things that stress us out with our church family right um, third question a little more broad based now what what are what are needs of some of the people in your community okay so so you know some folks that are in addiction treatment those are some needs of the community that we Need to be lifting up in prayer. Good. So struggles with mental health, struggles with uh, homeless, living on the street, addictions. All right, then question four then becomes, well, how how can we help each other with uh, the needs that were expressed that have caused us stress and anxiety individually or with needs that were expressed in the community? So we need to be a good example to other people so they can can see Jesus demonstrated in our own lives and we we need to be able to listen to people. Yeah, I am I'm, I'm trying to repeat some of these because I was told that maybe the audio wouldn't pick up on the podcast. So, uh what I heard you say Jason is um very simplified version is we have to love people not because I have to not because I'm the pastor, not because I'm trying to get them in the church door so that it looks like we got a lot of people, but because they need to be loved. And, and I'll, this is my own two cents worth, you know. Um, I, I struggle sometimes when, when I see things and I I jump to judgment calls, right? Oh, you know, if they would just go get a job or blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I find myself in that mindset occasionally. And uh, God has been gracious enough on many occasions to remind me, nobody sets out to be homeless. No, nobody sets out to be addicted. They didn't suddenly wake up one day and say, yeah, hey, you know what, I'm going to be homeless the rest of my life. And, and so that helps remind me of the compassion and the love that I'm supposed to be uh, sharing as, as a Christ follower. Okay, so that part, you know, you would do every week kind of when you get started and kind of re- refresh all of that and go through it again. Um, but then um, we, we will dig into a, a passage of Scripture, and so that's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to read uh, from Mark chapter 8, uh, verses 1 to 9, and I was intrigued. I, I, I snuck a peek at the, the website this week in the Bible reading plan. Uh, your calendar, and uh, it looks to me like this: the last three or four days, you guys were actually reading this according to your Bible plan. Right? So that was unintentional. I'd already figured, already decided what I was going to use, and so maybe that was a God thing. If you haven't read it, I'm going to read it right now. Okay, so just listen. Um, and and um, for for a moment, I'm, I know this is kind of strange, but close your Bibles. About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, Hey, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked him, Well, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. And then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Jason, I knew I could count on you. You're, you're,
1: what, do you have one in particular that you...
0: Nope, whatever you want to use. And again, if you will, just kind of close and listen, okay?
1: In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. Some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves. And having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away.
0: This Tell us this story in your own words. So, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm not going to look at the Scripture. So, Jesus was out with His disciples, and there was this large crowd of people, as was kind of normal, and just like a typical crowd of people, they ran out of food again. And so, Jesus said, hey, I care about these people, and I care about the fact that they're hungry, so I don't, don't want to send them away, because... They, some of them aren't going to make it home they're so weak from not having, they've been here for 3 days so you feed them and he's talking to the disciples and they're like Whoa, we, we where are we supposed we we're out in the middle of nowhere there's not like a walmart next door you know or a kroger's or something i can go get food how are we supposed to do that well jesus said well how much do you have what do you got we got like was it 7 loaves of bread and apparently they found a little bit of fish And so Jesus blessed the bread, and he blessed the fish, and he thanked God for it, and he passed it out, and everybody ate more than they needed. Well, actually, I think it says they ate until they were satisfied. Unlike me, I eat more than I need. And then they collected up seven basketfuls of food. So then we would ask after that, was anything left out of the story as they told it in their own words, that we need to make sure we don't forget. Did they add anything to the story that wasn't there? And then, so, we, you know, it's kind of, hey, do you agree with the retelling of this story or not? And then, and then we get into the next questions, okay? What, and this is the first one, what does this passage tell us about God? Okay, God always provides. Good. What else does this passage tell us about God? Compassionate. He's compassionate. Okay, so so this is one of the one of the key parts of discovery Bible study. Is to say, okay, where in this passage did it say that? This this passage didn't talk about a little boy, right? Um, that that was a different story. Okay, but uh, the principle Dwight, is good, right? That what does this story tell us about God? God can take small things and do big things with them. That's a that's a great insight into what this passage tells us about God. What, what else do we learn about God in this passage? There's nothing He can't do. I saw a hand back here. Yeah. Okay. Don't underestimate what God can do. All right? So we got a little theme going here, right? That God can do way more than what we think sometimes with our with what we have what else do we learn about God in this passage okay so there we're skeptical the the disciples especially were like how are we going to feed like they they can only see what was right in front of them and so there was a lot of skeptical skepticism from them what else do we learn about people they're thirsty for God they followed him and for three days and Maybe we also learned they're not very good plan- we're not very good planners, right? We didn't bring enough food. <laughs> it was probably... You notice that it says there were a bunch of men there, right? That's probably why they ran out of food. So. What-, what else do we learn about humanity from this passage? So, because they were in the wilderness, sometimes we look at the place, the circumstances, right? And decide... Um, God can't do anything with the, if only my circumstances were better, if I were in a different place, then God could use me. Then God could answer my prayer. Okay. Third, third question for this part. If, if we believe this passage is from God, if, if we believe this story is true, how must we change? Or as it says up there, what what do I have to do to change if I believe this story to be true? How will I obey? Is there something in there that I need to change? Is there something, and I'm not talking about as a group. I'm talking about individually now. You need to ask this question. What in this passage have I decided, okay, I I need to do something that I've not done, or I need to change something because of... My understanding that this story is true. Yeah. So, so you're you're looking for hey, what are the lessons that I can learn? So, how would you phrase that in terms of? Here's here's what I think I need to. Here's here's the commitment that I need to make. Yeah. So, b- because I believe this passage is true, one of the things that he he says I I, I am going to. Try to make sure that I trust that God will provide, if I in, not just in the small things, but in the big things. So I'm, I'm, I'm making it, making a decision to try to change my outlook in this coming week. To, to trust God with the small things. So Jason said, "Hey, as I read this passage, I believe it to be true. I see that." jesus and therefore god is concerned about people's physical needs and the fact that they were hungry mattered to him and so he said i i i need to have a little better focus in my own life about the physical needs that i see and respond to them in a way that i think god would want me to be godly yeah, do what God would do in this situation. Good. Even yeah, even she said, "Do what God would do in this situation. Even if it's not much, do what I can." Okay, we're supposed to be done in a couple of minutes, so let me move on to this last question. Who are you going to share this lesson, this passage with before we meet again next week? So with Discovery Bible Study, you're doing this weekly, okay? So we, we've, we've made these decisions. We've made these discoveries about who is God. What do we learn from Him? What do we learn about people? What have I learned that I need to do? And now the question is, hey, who, who do I need to share this with this coming week? You'll share this passage. Thank you, you for listening. You can them. contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.